You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Hey, we're in a new study today. We are in a new study, so turn to the book of Acts. Let's go to Acts. We love Acts, right? We love Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Shh. Acts chapter 1. Let's turn our Bibles there. Last week feels like eternity ago, but last week we finished the Gospels and we discussed Jesus' death on the cross for us and then his resurrection, how he appeared to the twelve and uh, the Gospels even tell us and some of the books in the New Testament tell us that he appeared to over 500 people when he uh, was resurrected from the dead. He lived on earth for another 40 days. We're going to read that in Acts chapter 1, but that's where we left off, was Jesus dying on the cross rising from the dead, and now in Acts chapter 1, it's a sort of a continuation. We're going to see um, in here in Acts that Jesus now gives a command to his disciples, and the church is birthed, the church is born in Acts chapter 2, and uh, that's where we are living today, the church age. Today's era, right now in 2015, is considered the church age, so we're still living in this church age. But for now, in Acts chapter 1, it's a continuation of of the Gospels, and especially continuation of Luke's Gospel. Luke is the writer of Acts, and if you read Luke's Gospel to Acts, it's sort of like a continuation. It's basically a continuation. It's basically a sequel. You guys like sequels? I love sequels. We have some good sequels. We have some pretty bad sequels. Pretty lame. Usually the first movie is always the best. You go to number two, three, you even go to four and five, like Land Before Time. Let's just get weird. You guys remember Land Before Time? The dinosaurs? There was like seven or eight of them. They just need to end it. Those dinosaurs need to die. Let's just move on. It's just getting ridiculous. But there are some good sequels out there. There's some not, there's some not good sequels. I, I would say The Hobbit's a pretty good sequel, even though it's one book. They don't, I don't know why they made it into three movies. Uh, it's, pre, it's a prequel to Lord of the Rings, but I'm talking about The Hobbits, number one, two, and three. I know it's one book, but they made it into three movies, so I guess that counts. Whatever. Um... I say Toy Story is a good sequel. Toy Story 2. I say that's a pretty good sequel. Toy Story 3 was great. Um, there's some other good sequels out there. I don't really know. I can't think off the top of my head. Some really bad sequels. Some bad sequels. Um, and this movie I thought was great, and then it just got dumb. Um, Taken 2. I just thought Taken 2 was kind of lame. Because Taken, Taken 1 was awesome. Taken 1 was epic. Taken 2 was just dumb. This guy, Liam Neeson, now that he got Taken 3 coming out, this guy just never ends. Everyone's taken. It's terrible. This guy's life is just terrible. Um, another sequel. Do you guys, you guys know the movie Jaws? Yeah. Jaws 1, awesome. Jaws 2, lame. Sharknado? Sharknado. Uh, I have yet to see that movie. We can talk about sequels all we want. This book of Acts, if you go home and read Luke and read the ending chapter of Luke and the first chapter in Acts, it is basically a continuation. It is a sequel. It's a to be continued. You know, you've watched movies or TV shows and at the end, to be continued. Oh, I hate that. I love it, but I hate it. I just want to know what's happening. This is to be continued. This is the continuation now. Acts chapter 1. Jesus is now risen, he's in his glorified body, he's appearing to his disciples, and he's about to be taken back up into heaven. It's a great story, and now the church is about to be born, 
And today we are living this church age. And we're going to meet characters like Peter, the Apostle Peter, who was that dull disciple in the Gospels. He's now one of the greatest teachers in this church age in the book of Acts. So many encounters that he had with people. He's healing people like Jesus did. Jesus is sending his Holy Spirit now to raise people from the dead, to be healed from the, the blind and sickness and the lame. We meet Paul. You guys know Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. We are introduced to him in Acts. There are so many people, so many stories in the book of Acts. It is like a movie. If you read Acts, I, Acts is one of my favorite books in the Bible, but just because it's so jam-packed with like history stories. And remember, I love history, so I love Acts. So good stuff. I'm not talking about Acts deodorant, though. I don't want you guys to get... It's not Acts deodorant. It's Acts. A-C-T-S. Why Acts? Why is it really called Acts? The, the, the early church fathers, when they, when they were like going through the Bible and putting chapters and verses in there, and when Luke wrote his book of Acts, he names it Acts because it is essentially the Acts of the Apostles. The Apostles that are now sent out when Jesus is raised from the, raised from the dead, he goes back into heaven, he sends out his disciples, known as Apostles, later. And these are the Acts of the Apostles. But I really like to call this the Acts of the Apostles through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this book more than any other book in the entire Bible. The Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. He's a third person. Jesus now goes to heaven, and now he says, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a person. He is a person. It's a he, not an it. The Holy Person is here today, working, living, doing ministry in the church. He is a part of the Trinity. He is part of the Godhead, and God sends him now to this earth. And we are living in this church age with the Holy Spirit present. There will be a time when the rapture happens and the tribulation that God takes his Holy Spirit away. And it will be a very different time. The Holy Spirit won't be present. It's going to be a lot harder kind of to get saved. It's just going to be a dark time. But the Holy Spirit now is present in this time and is mentioned the most in Acts than any book in the Bible. So I like to call it the Acts of the Apostles through the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit. It really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because the apostles couldn't do anything without the Holy Spirit. It really is an act of the Holy Spirit. And we are living now with the Holy Spirit still working in us today. And I pray at the end of this message that you guys learn more about the Holy Spirit, who he is, his nature, what he's all about, and how he still works in us today. But you have to accept him. You have to accept him. He's not going to work in you if you don't choose to. Let's read chapter 1 of Acts. We're just going to read 11 verses. Great story, and then we'll... Dive in next week of chapter 2, and we'll continue on in the story. But Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In my former book, Theophilus, this is Luke writing, he's writing to this person named Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Verse 3, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. That's where we get the 40 days from. He appeared to them 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which, has, which you have heard me speak about. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He says in verse 7, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power, you can underline that word power, 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You can underline that word, witnesses. In Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They, the disciples, were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. These are angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And let's pause and pray. We'll stop right there. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to just worship you, fall at your feet, learn more about you. Father, we thank you for the worship this morning, and we reflect on camp, how it was just a powerful time there, that you worked through us, you, you ministered to us, and we pray that that ministering would continue on, even after camp. And Father, we thank you for the book of Acts. We now read how the church is now born, and you have now sent your Holy Spirit who is still alive and working today. We accept that. We expect the Holy Spirit to work. He is present with us right now. We thank you, Father, for this time. We pray you go before us now as we read your word. Help us to learn something new. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, it's kind of like a little story. Luke is writing to this guy named Theophilus. His name means lover of God. We don't know much about this guy named Theophilus, but if you read in Luke chapter 1, you see that he writes to the same guy. He's talking about uh, writing the Gospel of Luke. So when he's saying, in my former book, Theophilus, he's talking about Luke's Gospel, his own book. He says, I wrote and spoke about many things that this Jesus Christ did. He came to earth, he lived as a man, he did his ministry, he talked about the kingdom of God, and now he appeared to his disciples. After he was buried, crucified, and then risen from the dead, he now appeared to everybody for a period of 40 days, a little over a month. He lived on earth for another 40 days in his glorified body. He could walk through walls. He could appear and reappear just like that. He still ate food. He still had, it's not for sustenance, not for survival anymore, but just for pleasure now. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. That there's a feast, the Revelation talks about, that you can eat uh, with Jesus in the table, but no longer is it survival, it's just for having fun. So you can eat burgers and hot dogs, whatever is going to be up in heaven, and not have to worry about, you know, getting fat or whatever. It's going to be a great time. But Luke is writing to this guy, Theophilus, and he's saying, this is what Jesus did in the gospel that I wrote about. And now he has appeared to, for 40 days to the apostles. It is sending them out, and now he has given them his Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about the Holy Spirit real quick. In John 16, you can just write it down if you want. John 16, verse 5, Jesus is talking to his disciples that in order for him to leave, and in order for him, the Holy Spirit to come, Jesus has to go back into heaven, and he'll send the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And he says in verse 5 to his disciples, it's before he was crucified, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? He says, because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, and that's capital C, that's the Holy Spirit, the Counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So that's a little... Back, uh, backsplash, no, not backsplash, background information of Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Now we're jumping into Acts chapter 1. He has now sent his Holy Spirit. Look what he says in verse 4. When Luke says on one occasion while he's eating with them, he gave them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. You can underline that word gift. That is the gift of this Holy Spirit. He is giving them. 
the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He says, for John baptized with water, that's John the Baptist, he baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now he sends out the disciples with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there's two things I had you guys write that underline for power and to be a witness. We're going to talk about it at the end. For power and to be a witness. That the Holy Spirit is now moving through the disciples. That Peter, Paul, Stephen we're going to meet, Philip, different characters that we meet are now filled with the Holy Spirit and are sent out to do a good work. And the theme verse I want you guys to look at on the screen, this theme verse of the entire book of Acts can really be summed up in verse 8 of chapter 1. And we read it. Verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now Jesus says, I'm going to give you this gift, and you're going to receive power, this certain power that Jesus gives them. And you're going to be my witnesses now, because I'm going back into heaven. And I want my church now to be my representation here on earth. I want you guys to be my witnesses and spread the gospel, share the gospel. People need to get saved. People need to understand the truth. That's really the theme verse of the entire book of Acts. That the apostles are sent out by Jesus, they're working through the Holy Spirit for the ministry, and they're bringing people to Jesus. That's the kingdom. This is what Jesus' plan was. His mission was to, to save the lost and die for sinners, but he had to go back to the Father. Now he says, I want you guys to now be the salt and light. You want, I want you guys to be my witnesses. Spread my good news. And that's what they do. We'll read in the next couple chapters that we're going to read Peter's account, Paul's account, how they spread the good news. It's amazing. I want to talk really about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit was working in this time and how he's still working in us today. He's still involved in the church. He's still working. He's active. And there's kind of cool um, Greek words that I'm going to throw at you. I don't necessarily talk about the Greek language, but for today, it's interesting how... You know, the New Testament is written in Greek, and when we dig deep into what the Greek actually means, we can kind of see the context of the story, and we kind of see what the writers are trying to say and what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that's our theme kind of for today, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the first Greek word up there is para, para, and it means with us in the Greek. Now the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit works, this is his ministry, Para in the Greek means with us, and that is the Holy Spirit was with us even before we became a Christian. He's convicting us of sin. The Holy Spirit has always been here, even if you weren't saved, but the time before you were saved, He was always there. He was always there. Now, we're given a conscience, but the Holy Spirit has been with us since the beginning, trying to convict us of sin, encourage us. Even at the time before we became a Christian, He's trying to spur us on. Listen, this is the good news. He'll, he'll maybe tug on our heart, and we're like, where did I feel that? Where, where did that come from? If you had that experience where you just had a, a life of just doing your own thing and then you, you meet Jesus for the first time and the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart and you're like, what is this? That, that's usually the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart saying, this is good. This is good. We need to humble ourselves. So that Greek word para, that's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. He's with us. He's always with us. He's our counselor. He's our encouragement. He convicts us of sin. He's our guidance. He guides us. That's the Holy Spirit's job in the ministry to work and work today. The second one, right here, is en, the Greek word en, and it means in us. So once you receive Christ, once you and I are saved, the Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of us. So first he's with us, he's around us, he's trying to convict us of sin, he's not yet 
inside of us and, and dwelling in us because we haven't received him yet. Once you and I become saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit immediately dwells inside of us. That he is in our hearts. He, he is guiding us now. He's moving us to good works. We're now saved. And in, second, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I'll read it for you guys. But Paul would say this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And he says, who is in you, whom you've received from God. And he's telling the Corinthian church, look, don't you know that your body, your physical body right now, is actually a temple, a spiritual temple for the Holy Spirit, who is in you, spiritually in us, whom you've received from God. When you ask Jesus to come in your heart, he gives us his spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Corinthian church were doing crazy things. And Paul's like, hey, you need to stop doing this, this immorality. You need to stop messing around and everything. You are now saved, and don't you know that your body now is a temple for the Holy Spirit? You can't be doing everything you used to do. You, you were bought with a price. Jesus now owns you in a spiritual sense that he wants to be your Lord and Savior. So with that, there's responsibility. We just can't be doing everything we want. Our body now is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. He wants to spur us on to good works. He wants to convict us. When you you feel like you've done something wrong, you get that guilty conscience, and the Holy Spirit will minister to you, speak to you, hey, what you did right there was wrong. You need to go forgive that person. You need to go apologize. What you you did right there, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to accept the Holy Spirit and say, okay, just work in me, use me, convict me, encourage me. He does all these things. He's He has many attributes, this Holy Spirit. It's great. And now, once we become saved, the next Greek word is epi. Epi, and that means upon us. And this is what the Greek word is that Jesus is saying his disciples are going to have. Because the disciples had already received the end. The Holy Spirit was inside of them. He was dwelling inside of them. Their bodies were now a temple of the Holy Spirit. But now, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to be epi upon you. And that's... The Holy Spirit coming upon us in a power for ministry work. Now the Holy Spirit is overflowing in us. That we want to do good works. We want to go out and preach the gospel. We want to get people saved. The Holy Spirit now gives us that power. He's upon us. That's what Jesus is saying in the, in the verse, verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Or King James says, upon you. That's that Greek word. So there's the three steps of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's with us, he's around us, he convicts us, we get saved, he comes inside of us, he dwells in us, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and then when he wants to do ministry work in us, he's now upon us. We are now used for his glory. We are are doing a good work for Jesus. We're getting people into the ministry, we're getting people saved through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's the ministry of this Holy Spirit, and he's still working in us today. It's amazing that some people think that the Holy Spirit is now absent from the church, that his gifts now that he gives to us, that's, that's for a later study, that the Holy Spirit gives each other gifts. And some people think, even the church today, that the Holy Spirit is absent, that he's, he's not here anymore. But I believe that the Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit is with us until that time when, when God takes the Holy Spirit and takes the church out of the world. The Holy Spirit is active. He's moving. He's still convicting. He's still encouraging. He's still comforting. He's that counselor that Jesus said. Capital C, he is the counselor that that comforts us. And if you need ministering, if you need help and and guidance and wisdom, you just ask the Holy Spirit, minister to your heart. Ask him to guide you in all truth. He wants to 
have fellowship with you. He wants that relationship with you. He wants to intercede on behalf and, and, and offer the prayers up to Jesus. And, and he wants you to live for, for his glory. This Holy Spirit, just as he was active in the early church, he is still active today and he's doing a work. But you have to accept him. You have to, you have to trust in him by faith. God's given this gift of the Holy Spirit. You and I have to receive it. And sometimes it's easier said than done. I know for, for many of us that when we made that commitment to ask Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit came. But for some of us, maybe you have friends also, that it's just very, it's hard to, to bow that knee and accept Jesus into our heart. Because I, I, you don't want to give your life to someone else. You don't want to really say, I'll give my life to, to, to a higher authority and they're in control now. That's how people look at Christianity that way, that it's all like rules, rules, rules. But God wants to pour out his grace. He wants to give you his spirit and do a work because he loves you and me. He wants to do that work. And now we're going to talk about, really, our part, the witness part. Look again in verse 8 when he says that you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Now that Greek word for witness is martus, and it's where we get our English word martyr. And in the, in the church history at this time, there were martyrs, there were witnesses for Jesus that they died for their faith in Jesus. Literally killed for their faith. You can read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a great book. I have one. You can read it from the early church up to present time of Christians around the world that have been martyred because of their faith in Jesus. Either beheaded or hanged or thrown in, in a pit and the, gar, uh, the gladiators of that time. There was a real time with the Colosseum and the gladiators and Christians were thrown out into the Colosseum to be killed. It was for fun. For the Romans and for the people, it's for fun. At that time, they're, they're dying for their faith. They are martyrs. That's the witness word. They are witnesses for Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. And number one, to be a witness for Jesus, it means that we are to live in such a way that our life becomes a reflection of him. And you guys heard that, that kind of term, you know, some of you may have, or whoever, have blown their witness. There's that term that, I, I blew my witness. And we kind of say that it's because we're, we're living for Jesus, we're living as a witness for Jesus, but then we kind of go do something hypocritical, or we go do something what the world does, and in a way, we'll kind of term that as, I just blew my witness. That's where we get that, that English kind of language. And that, that is true. That's a challenge for us now, that now that you and I are witnesses for Jesus, that he's sending you and I out, we are witnesses for him, we have to live in a certain way that's pleasing to Jesus. And not emulating what the world does. Because it's true. If the world sees Christians doing the Christian thing, but then they slowly start drifting to what the world does, now the world's like, well, then what are you? Are you truly a Christian? I thought you were following this Jesus. Or are you just doing what we're doing? And it's confusing. And that's where that term comes, you know, you blew your witness. Now, is there hope? Is there forgiveness? Yes, there is. But living as a witness for today is reflecting Jesus' nature, his character. Reflecting his nature. And being that witness even means living for him if it means death. In this time it is. In this day and age, the disciples would all be killed for their faith. You can read in Fox's Book of Martyrs too. Every disciple of the twelve disciples that Jesus chose were martyred, were killed in different ways for their faith. Peter, the apostle, I've told this before, he was crucified 
like Jesus, upside down, though. He was crucified upside down, church history tells us. He was martyred for his faith. Paul was, you know, beheaded in Rome. He was stoned a lot, too, before he he was killed. A lot of the disciples, different accounts of being beheaded or flogged, ripped apart by animals. They are martyrs. They are the witness. And Jesus would say that. It was almost a prophetic message. He was saying, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. And I want you to be. You are now going to have the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go into all the earth and you're going to preach my gospel. But you're going to be my witnesses. Some of you are going to die for it. And they would. They would die for it. That is the, that, that is the witness Jesus is talking about. It is reflecting Jesus here on earth. Reflecting Jesus. And for them, and for us today, it should, we should have the mindset that we are living for, for God no matter what. No matter what the cost. And God says, I don't want... I don't want you to be ashamed of my gospel. He would inspire Paul to write those words. And Paul would write in the New Testament saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of Jesus and the salvation. It is the power. Paul recognized that. I am not ashamed of the gospel anymore. And these men and women in this church time, martyrs for their faith, they weren't ashamed of the gospel. They knew what it meant to live for Jesus. We need to have that same attitude. And number two, God's desire is that our lives reflect Jesus Christ. That's his desire for all of us. His desire is that we reflect Jesus Christ, that we have that power of the Holy Spirit to go and preach the gospel, to share the good news. Even if it means persecution, even if it means being made fun of, even if it means being teased, even if it means losing a lot of friends because maybe they weren't your friends after all. And God will open doors for new friendships. But that is God's number one desire is that we reflect Jesus Christ, his son who came. And last but not least, number three, no matter where we live, this is the witnessing part for Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, no matter where we live, we as Christians should begin our witness at home and then extend it to the ends of the earth. Because Jesus, is interesting how he uses the language here, and he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then he says Judea and Samaria. Now, Jerusalem was the capital city in Israel. That was their hometown, basically. They, were well, they, they knew Jerusalem inside and out. And he begins with basically home. Then he says, you go to Judea. Then you go to Samaria, the Samaritans who were despised by the Jews. He says, I want you to start in Jerusalem. And then I want you to go to Judea, Samaria. And then he says, and then I want you to just go to the ends of the earth. And they would do that. Paul would be the first missionary to just go everywhere. In, in, in Europe in that time, he would go all the way to Rome. He'd preach the gospel to Caesar. He was on fire for the Lord. He would go to the ends of the earth in that time. That's why we have missionaries today. We are preaching the gospel. We are commissioning out of what Jesus called us to do. That is still the same for us today. If we are going to live as witnesses and Christians here on earth, we need to start witnessing in the home. And not just the physical home, but our hometown, Leesburg, Loudoun County. And then God may be calling you. Maybe he calls you to the mission field. Maybe you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit. I want you to do more than mission work in Loudoun County. I want you to go across the globe, maybe just the U.S. But God is still speaking this to us today. If we're going to be his witnesses, he is sending us out, starting with the home, and then going to the ends of the earth, preaching his gospel. This is the beginning of the Holy Spirit's work, and it's still working today. 
His, his ministry of the, Holy, of the Holy Spirit's ministry is still working in us today, is active. He has a plan for your life. All you have to do is accept him. Maybe you're still struggling with this first part of, of para, that he's with us, that he's with you, but maybe you haven't really accepted him in your life, the end, because he wants to use you for the next one, the epi. He wants to be upon you. He wants to use you in power. That word power is dynamis, the dunamis, where we can get dynamite or dynamic. It's power, a power like no other, to conquer sin and to win souls to Jesus Christ. He has given you and me that power now, just like he gave the early disciples. Let's reflect on that and let's understand these three things, being a witness for Jesus, what that means, that he's given you a special power now, not a superhero power, supernatural power to go and preach the gospel and win souls for Christ because that's what it's all about. Next week we'll begin chapter 2. We're going to see Peter preaching a gospel. People are going to get saved and this church is now going to be born and it's going to explode. It's going to go crazy. So let's pause, let's pray and let's get out of here. Father, we thank you for this time. We, we reflect on Acts chapter 1 and before the church could even be, begin to spread your gospel. They needed your counselor. They needed the Holy Spirit. And it's the same for us today, Father. If we're going to be doing ministry work, if we're going to be going out to the ends of the earth, we need your Holy Spirit to be with us, then to then be in us, and then now upon us, to be baptized in your Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel. You've given us this, this, this power to do good work, to do your ministry. So, Father, as we look into the history 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 1, your Holy Spirit is still doing the same work 2,000 years later, today. Father, I pray that we would accept it. It would challenge us. We would be truly a witness for you. And, Father, we would go to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel. Father, go before us today and the next week. Fill us with your Spirit. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.